Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Let's talk about the exciting success of the Emirates Mars mission. Now, while most of the world has not been able to leave the parameters of their own homes, the UAE has managed to travel beyond borders of the planet, literally. For those of you who don't know, the UAE launched their first probe to Mars last year on the 9th of July, 2020. But they couldn't let it go without an Arabic flair. It made its way to outer space after the first Arabic countdown. One small step for man, one giant step for the Middle East. The spacecraft that was very fittingly named Hope will provide us with the first complete picture of the Martian atmosphere. Don't worry, I'm sure these pictures will make their way onto your Instagram feeds as well. Now, this was a very difficult project to pull off. It required 5.5 million hours of work from the UAE Space Agency. Luckily, 80% of the scientific team were women, so you know they must have been great at multitasking. Now, besides the majority female-led team being a big win, why else is this a big deal? The UAE is the first Arab country to reach Mars, giving it great bragging rights amongst the space tech community globally. But beyond the self-interest, there is a greater good cause being achieved through hope. Now, this nicely leads us to this week's podcast topic, philanthropic and mindful investing. With me on the show to discuss this topic is Sagi Melamed. Sagi is the author of Mindful Fundraising. He's also a resource development consultant and instructor of the Mindful Sensei. And together we discuss all aspects of fundraising and how it benefits entrepreneurs and their businesses in the long run. Now, without further ado, let's jump straight to it. Hey, Shireen. Hey, how are you? Looking forward to chatting with you. Let's begin by going into mindful investing. What in your book does mindful investing mean? I'll give you an example of how mindfulness helps in investments. One of the lessons I learned, you know, most of my work is in nonprofit philanthropy and fundraising. However, I've been around and involved in many of the for-profit world in different capacities. And I learned that there's a lot of similarity between venture capital fundraising, namely you raise funds for your startup, and raising funds for nonprofit organizations, for instance, hospitals, universities, museums, schools, etc. Even though one is for profit and you know you get a product, whether it's shares or you buy something, you know, you get a, some kind of a product in a nonprofit world and in the in the for-profit and in the non-profit world you know you just get satisfaction you do good things you help the poor you help the needy but there's no product you don't get shares that can mature then and and value it there's no money behind you give money you don't get money what's similar and what has the same principles are two one is what is the idea or the, the product? If I'm a venture capital investor or angel investor, I want to see something unique. I want to see something with potential. I want to see a, a idea or a better product with the ability to change the industry, to, to create new markets, etc. And if I'm in the nonprofit world giving money for charity, for, for Zakat, 
I want to see how my money changed lives. I want to see how my money changed the way people interact, how it changes people's ability to support themselves. But that being said, there are lots of for-profit companies that aim to do the greater good. So you as a VC investor can invest your money in something that gives you returns and shares and as you put it, something tangible in your hands. And at the same time, also help people and make an impact. Absolutely. And I'm getting to that point. That's a very important point. But I wanted to share with you the second principle that is very similar between the for-profit and the non-profit world. And that is the most important one, the people. If you ask seasoned investors, VC investors, angel investors, you, you look at the people. Are they determined? Are they skilled? Do they work together as a team? Do they have a fire in their eyes? They're, they're so excited about the company that they're, they're ready not to sleep a whole week. Uh, do they come for the right reasons? You know, do they just come to make money or do they come to change the world? These are things you look at when you evaluate investment in companies. You know, most people don't understand how important of a role chemistry between people play in investment and in nonprofit fundraising and philanthropy. So let me play devil's advocate a little bit. Now, mind you, uh, the statement I'm about to make comes from a place where, given the fact that I live in the in the UAE and there are no income taxes, this is um, how I observe donations and philanthropic um, activities being made in other places where there, there are, there is income tax. Now, I know that you get in individuals are entitled for tax breaks for some activities and charity being part of that list. So sometimes when I hear in the news that a big, you know, star has made an X million dollar contribution to charity X, I think, okay, it's because they wanted a tax break. Am I being too much of a devil's advocate or do you think this is a fair statement um, or is it a combination of both? Well, you're asking one of the key questions in fundraising, why do people give? I actually give a, 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 a talk tomorrow. That's the first on my list because many people say, why do people give money? They don't get anything in return. And I would argue that tax break is not the important one. I can list seven important reasons why do people give to Zakat and tax breaks are not the important one. It's a little bit more important for companies. I think it's much less important for people. So let me try in, in very short, why do people give? I think the, the, the biggest reason is, you know, it's fun, it's rewarding, it's joyful to help others. When I, when I give workshops on, on fundraising to heads of organizations and, and the board members, I often ask, when you give, how do you feel? Whenever I hear someone or whenever someone comes up to me asking for a donation of some kind, my immediate thought is, how can I ensure that this money goes to the cause it is advertised and going to? And that's always been an underlying problem in, um, you know, the donations world. Now, some interesting tech uh, startups are trying to tackle this problem by utilizing blockchain. So they give skeptics like me comfort saying, we will help you see this money reach the cause it's advertised to reach 
through a technology like the blockchain. Do you, have you come across other skeptics like me? And if you have, yes. So then how do you ensure, or how do you see comfort being insured to them? Let let me offer my guidelines, uh, my personal and the ones I, I preach to others. When I get calls from uh, uh, telephones, you know, we, from uh, like companies who put people on the phone and they call for other organizations, I know the market, the philanthropic market, too well that in most cases, only part of that money goes, and uh, sometimes very small part goes to the actual organization because these are not these are not organizations who actually use the money; they just raise it. Where I do give my big donations, big, you know, comparing to our ability, is usually organizations that I know that I'm involved. There's organization I'm in on the board, for instance, Buddha for Peace, creating peace through martial arts between people, between youth. I'm on the board, I know very well what's going on, I know the team, I give every year. Now, no one can give to everybody. Even the richest people cannot give to anyone, to everybody who's asking for gifts. So you have to prioritize. And one of the way to prioritize, if you know the organization, if you know the leadership, if you know the track record, and nowadays there are many online vehicles that you can check that. A guide star is one of them. You can see the salaries people get. You can see how much money they raise, what the government gives, who is on the board, etc. So there's, now it's much more transparent, this kind of information. But I guess organized charitable donations is something very different than one-off donations here and there to individuals. Now for the uh, corporate conscious people who are for profit, how can they be mindful and practice what it is that you preach when fundraising and speaking with investors? No, let's think if you are a startup raising money, I'm sure you would be willing to give a big portion of your earning. If I can promise you, you will sell your company for a hundred million dollars or you will go public and uh, in that stage, you you can be very generous. And if God blesses you, why don't you bless others with part of that blessing? So this is a very nice way of combining the corporate, you know, the corporate desire to to bring earnings to the to the shareholders, and and with charity, with community work. But I have a question: Re- how how much does this actually get practiced? Of the companies yeah. that IPO, how many of them are there consciously making an impact or make the conscious effort to make an impact rather? I see a trend over years that uh, highlights the importance of giving back to the communities by successful corporations and people and individuals. I say if, if 30 years ago, there's a CEO's meeting, you know, you go to the CEO's club or conference and everybody shows off with their fancy cell phone or fancy car. watches. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, frankly, they still show up sometimes with their watches. However, now it's more trendy. It's more respected that you share what your company is doing for the schools, the hospitals, the museums, the kids, for the community. You know, I know people I've, in person in around the world who say the more I give, the more I get. I have a friend from the United States who is very successful. He taught me a sentence that is a mantra, mantra for him. Listen to that. It's a good one to remember. I do not work 
to make a living. I walk to make a giving. That's his mantra. He has enough for himself and his kids and grandkids, generations to come. He said, now I want to earn money so I can give. And he gives. He gives us also. When you talk about cooperation, when you talk about very successful financially people, it's very rewarding to be able to help others. What about a startup that is um, still early on in its years? So you mentioned earlier when a startup is ready to IPO, that is when they should give. What about a pre-IPO level? Do you think that they would also get if they give? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a member here in an initiative called the Can Give. It's an initiative that encourages people in the very beginning of their business life to commit at least 2% of the free earnings, even when they, you know, they make it big. So I have a small boutique consulting firm. I committed myself and my firm to that. When you enter the circus of givers, when you sit on boards, board of directors and give, it brings you to many circles who directly and indirectly positively affect also your company and your earnings and your investment. And when you come with that state of mind, and I bring, bring us back to the mindful, if you say, I want to do good. Yes, I want to do good for, for myself and my family and my friends and my employees, but I also want to do good for the world, for the community. It's usually pays back. And I guarantee that. Question. Mindful does not necessarily equal charitable though. So I can be a mindful person and in the present and in the now, but don't donate at all. Yes. These these are not the same thing. When, When I talk about fundraising, mindful fundraising, as the name of the book, I give you principles. What is mindful fundraising? One of them is be present, be there. You know, when you meet with a donor, when you meet with an investor, be there with him, look at the eyes, feel their side, listen not to what is said, but also to what is not said, to the, to the quietness, to the body language. It's a conversation of spirits. Think how you can help the other person, not only how he can help you. I like to say when I meet with people, how can I help you? Sometimes people were way more powerful and richer and influential than that. But how can I help you? And you'll be surprised. Another principle of mindful fundraising is always think about the top of the mountain, but also look back, see how far you have climbed. I used to apply that principle when I was teaching karate. I had many students from age five to 60. And often, People get to a point where they feel frustrated. They don't advance fast enough. They say, oh, the other person kicks stronger. The other person moves faster. You know, they they start being frustrated. And I always tell them, it's okay. You want to be faster, stronger, but look back. Two years ago, you didn't even know how to throw a punch. Mm. And now look at you. You can only do all these things. So find a balance between trying to achieve more, but also being comfortable and and content with what you already accomplished. Because both in business, in sales, for instance, or in raising investments, and in fundraising for nonprofits, 
you always want more. You know, you raise million dollars, a day later, you're already thinking how you raise the next million. So it, it helps people in a balance in a world that is changing all the time and, and, and hectic and, and fast-paced and it's, people feel on a treadmill. So. so as you're talking, I was thinking, or rather as, as you're giving the hill analogy and looking uh, down the hill to want to really be grateful of your own progress, I was reminded of a quote that is often thrown around the gym world where I spend most of my evenings. And that is, you are your own competition. So sometimes people get very competitive or with people around them. They always feel like they need to run faster, lift heavier. Uh, and, you know, competition has its benefits, definitely. But uh, the idea is to not beat yourself up too much if you are not number one in everything. And that as long as you are progressing at your own pace and holding yourself accountable, that you are um, moving forward. You're right on point, <laughs> In the right gym world. <laughs> but see, we, we used to say that the karate gym, we call it dojo. The karate mm -hmm. dojo is, is actually a simulation of the world of life. Uh, I find myself the same as you do. I want to I spearhead that bridge in philanthropy. Fantastic. And where can listeners find a copy of the English version of your book? Yes. Uh, by the way, I, I do have plans to translate to Arabic one day, but uh, learning that in, in, in UAE, everybody speaks English. Uh, I don't think there's a need. It would be worth translating it in Arabic for other parts of the Gulf and the Middle East, like KSA, Egypt. Uh, they do predominantly speak in Arabic there. So this is a challenge I'm offering your listeners. Uh, I'm looking for a partner who would like to partner with me and my publishing house to do that in, in Arabic. We are more than ready to do that. Super. And, and until, until that happens, uh, the book in English is available on Amazon. It's already available in digital format. And about three weeks, it will be available in, in hard copy. The book is making its way by boat to the United States and the rest of the world. So Amazon will be the best uh, way to purchase it. And anyone who buys the book and of course enjoys, and I, I guarantee that people will enjoy it, please write a review on Amazon. Fantastic. Sagi, thank you very much for your time. I feel like I need to go do some good after this recording. You've definitely inspired me and I do hope that you've inspired the listeners. Thank you. Lovely speaking to you. Lovely speaking to you too. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshereen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshereen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.